Hello, you tennis nuts out there. We're living at the 45 today with Tyrone Sparks. Well, I'm going to call him Ty the rest of the show, but uh, I'm really happy to be here with you today, Ty, and, and welcome to the show. Well, Jack, I really appreciate the opportunity and uh, excited to uh, get, chat some tennis with you tonight. Good deal. Well, let me tell let me tell the people out there in the world why I'm even talking to you, because, you know, I talk to all the big wigs in tennis and uh, they may know Roscoe Tanner or Johan Crick, but they may not know Ty Sparks. I, I don't know why they'd be a fool, but but I'm going to I'm going to tell them a little bit about you anyway. Uh, you were a top ranked player, I think, from the juniors on. Right. I actually started. This is one old caveat. I started when I was uh, 22. And, oh, uh, wow. Well, you've gotten good rankings. I mean, you're ranked number one in singles. Yeah, a lot of college guys right out of the gate. Got my butt handed to me and just got a little better every day, you know? That's so. incredible. That's that's kind of like a Stan Smith story, you know? Some people, yeah, I, I find it incredible when you start late, but you've got quite a resume. You've been highly ranked in Kentucky, and uh, and you've been director at some clubs. You've been pro at some great clubs. Uh, you've won the hard courts and the clay court singles in Kentucky. I mean, so you've uh, you've been around. I think of you more these days as more of a promoter or an ambassador of the game. But when I look at your resume, I think to myself, this guy's a baller from Kentucky. I mean, you can play the game. Well, you know, I've really been blessed to have a lot of players out there that I've you know, I played with when I started playing and played tournaments, built a lot of relationships and, uh, you know, with a lot of, you know, really talented players. Uh, Andy Jackson was my first tournament and he played, uh, he walked on at UK and ended up being a tremendous player. He coached at University of Florida. Uh, he was an outstanding talent and I got to play him and uh, I've played just so many. Greg Hill, I played him in a big tournament. He was at Texas A&M All-American. He's from Kentucky. Just playing those guys, it just set me a high bar, you know, as a basketball athlete coming out of high school when I picked the tennis racket up. It kind of just clicked for me uh, putting playing two-a-days for two or three years there. It just all started to click with my background being an athlete, a track guy. It just uh, clicked, and I was able to go from a beginner right to an A player right to playing open-level tennis uh, within that three- or four-year window. And then I started playing a lot of college athletes and started getting some wins against the smaller schools and just continue to advance my playing ability to where I started playing the, the 25 and over state events, the 30 over, 35, 40 over, 45, and Southern events. It just kept building. And, uh, you know, I, like I said, I played a lot of really good, talented people. I've hit with Susan Sloan, Gary Plock, um, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, a lot of good players that came out of Kentucky and went on to to do great things and it gave me a high bar to kind of get better and just, you know, I played Southern tournaments. So Jackie, yeah, I've been out there playing. I, you know, I haven't played on the pro tour, but I, I admire all those players that do that grind out there. Uh, we have a Lex, a big old uh, Lexington challenger every year here. And, and it's a, we can talk about that in a little bit too, but it's great watching those people who play, you know, those uh, lower ranked pro tournaments that are trying to qualify and get the ATP points. It's just all really amazing. Yeah, I got a couple kids out there right now. Uh, you know, one is uh, Warren. He's about thousand in the world right now. And Nick was out there trying. He was in Europe. And it's not easy for the guys that are not in the top 150. I mean, it, there's yeah. not much money. There's not much money in it. There's no glory in it. And, uh, you know, you're, you don't have an entourage and you're not staying at the best hotels. and You're not even staying alone in the hotel. You got to share it with a couple other guys. So it's not the easiest life, really, if you're a journeyman. 
you know, I, I watched uh, Dennis Simmery. He's a former coach at the University of Kentucky. He helped found the Lexington Challenger. You know, it was called the Fifth Third Challenger when he started it back in around 2000. And that tournament had Leighton Hewitt in it, John Isner. Um, it had many players that went on to be great players. Uh, TFO, bunch of them. And wow. I got to watch firsthand, and they were just coming out of college. Some of them had played a year or two of college. Or, or you know, uh, in the case of the Australian kid, he hadn't even didn't go play college. Uh, Leighton did. He went right to the pros, and I got to see him there, and then go up to the U.S. Open and watch him live at the U.S. Open, which was cool. But a lot of those, you know, grinding and coming through that circuit, those challengers, as you know, Jack, it's tough, you know, very challenging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's uh... – I always salute the guys, even the juniors, to tell you the truth. I salute everyone who gets out there and puts their ass on the line because, you know, let's face it, tennis, you know, it's it's really, I can only think of one other sport, which is boxing. There's not much like tennis because you you literally have the big H factor. You know, humiliation could hit you at any moment. And even if you're Roger Federer, you know, he got humiliated back in 05, I think, or, or maybe it was 08, 08. To, uh, at the French Open with uh, Rafa, he got his ass kicked. I think it was uh, two, one, and three, two, three, and one, or something. It was such a beating, yep. and um, so it can happen to the best of us. And no um, so, so I, I have a lot of respect for people that get out there and do it. There's nowhere to hide out there. I mean, when you walk exactly. out, and you got three tennis balls, maybe six, whatever, depending on what level you're playing at, where you're playing. And, you know, it may not be your day, but, you know, it's all about planning, prepping, nutrition, being fit. I learned all those things when I walked out on the court at age 21, 22. Right away, I, I realized, you know, it's skill, will, prep, uh, your physicality. I mean, there's so many variables in there. And uh, being a great coach like you are, you know, I mean, you've, you've coached and trained players all over the world. And, you know, I've done a lot of here in Kentucky with a lot of juniors and, 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 some, and many adults. But at the end of the day, um, you know, like we were saying, when you walk out on that court, it's 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 you're accountable, you know, for your side of the court. You're playing that tennis ball. And a lot of times it, I, when I first started getting engaged with tennis, I was playing the crowd. I was playing the player. I mean, I'm my mind was all over all that. And then as I advanced in my ability you know, as I kept going through that process, and I would tell any junior this, you know, your fitness, your nutrition, your balance, your strength, your commitment, uh, how you challenge your own status quo, and you, you, you can't be overly concerned about your opponent, what they're doing, how they're intimidating. You've got to go out there and own, own the court, the ball, and the lines, and be at one with the court. Greg Stevenson taught me that. He played at Eastern. He's been nationally ranked, great player. Greg didn't have a lot of uh, physique from a size standpoint, but when you got on the court with Greg Stevenson, you knew you were going to hit a lot of damn balls. You weren't, you couldn't knock him off the court. He didn't miss. And so it, it's a mental game too, you know, and we can talk about that as we progress through this, but I know the pros sometimes what's between the ears that some of the players that are the strongest, got the most, the biggest shots don't always win. You know, you've you got to have that whole package, that mentality as well. Well, I have to wonder, you know, you didn't play one year of college ball, huh? Not even one. No, I, I ended up uh, playing my third year. I played in a tournament, I remember. I was playing in Georgetown, Kentucky, and uh, I was in the, playing in the finals of that tournament, and they, I was in the middle of a match, and I was up like a set 4-2. And a, a 
gentleman walked around the back of the court and he goes, Ty, you know, you're playing Georgetown's number one player right now. And as soon as he told me that my brain went locked down. Yeah. You woke up. I went to the, I went back to serve. I couldn't get, I, I just couldn't get the ball. I couldn't get the ball in. I was over hitting, yep. over thinking, and I was about ready to have a huge win. And then uh, I ended up finding a way to lose that match. And that's that mentality piece I had to battle through after that. I remember another time I'm playing Tim Pleasant in Georgetown at a tournament. And I knew before that match that he was All-American at Eastern Kentucky and that uh, he was the winningest doubles player at that time, I believe, in the history of East Kentucky University, a Division I school. And, I, you know, I won the first set. And the second set, I'm up a break. And I go sliding. It's early in the morning, early match. And I slid on some wetness. And did the splits and tore my groin a little bit. Oh, yeah. And went back to try to finish the match. I ended up losing a nine-seven tiebreaker in the second set, and he ended up beating me in the in the in at the you know in the third set. But for me, it's just it's a mindset thing. I mean, it is physical, it's mental, it's all of it. It's everything anyone who's competitive would want to do is be on a tennis court playing against the players. It's so much fun. It can be humiliating as well. We've all been there. I, I agree. I think uh, tennis is the king of sports. You know, I mean, I, I appreciate people playing other sports, spec tennis, platform, pickle, all that stuff, but ain't nothing like tennis because, uh, you know, I, I always say those other sports are for quitters because tennis, you put your heart on the line every stinking time you walk on the court, you put your heart on the line and it can get broken uh, speaking of broken hearts, you know, it's Valentine's Day. So happy Valentine's Day to you and everybody out there. Uh, but uh, yeah, you put your heart on the line every time with tennis where the other sports are more fun. And, yeah. and uh, I think they're more doubles as well, all of them. And, and so that does take a lot of pressure off. Even playing doubles in, in, in tennis takes a little bit of pressure off. I always loved I mean, you know, when I would play, uh, especially the bigger tournaments, man, I couldn't wait for the doubles because you know, it's a pressure cooker in singles. And then you're like, oh, we get to play doubles this afternoon. Yay, fantastic. You know, have some fun and let loose on a couple of returns to serve. Oh, yeah, it's a blast, man. I, I can recall playing, uh, you know, uh, one time I played with a guy named John Herring. He's in the Kentucky Tennis Hall of Fame and a really good player and lefty. And I just knew going in there, all I, I had to be ready as a big lefty, about 6'4", left-handed serve, didn't miss big groundies and I, I knew they were going to hit it at me. So I, I was just waiting on them because, and they were trying to hit his lefty that's kicking away from him around 120 or 25 miles an hour. So I'm up there just getting ducks, you know, and I'm uh, putting them away. So it, it, it definitely is nice when you have a great doubles partner as well. You know? Yeah. I always picked well, I always picked really well. Uh, right from the 14 and unders all the way through to the college. And man, I picked very well. Uh, that was probably my claim to fame was picking good doubles partners. <laughs> well, I had Susan, Susan, uh, Susan Nolan, she played, played at UK and we won the this Kentucky state mix one time. And you know what? I picked, I picked the best female mix. I could get 35 and over. She was the best. So, you know, gives, that gives me a little bit of an advantage having the best player on the other well, side. You know, you know, I don't know what other people are wondering about you, but my first question <laughs> in talking to you is this. Uh, I'm, I'm big on, you know, ballers and grinders. And uh, 
I mean, at my tender age of 67 now, I try to be a baller now. I try to hit out on everything, no chipping, no bullshit, no drop shots. I really try to play the ball, you know, because mostly because of the system. I, I, I like to play left-handed too. I like to hit a good ball lefty, good ball righty. And it's more of, a, for me, it's more of a quest. It's a journey with this whole, you know, with my system and all, you know that. But I'm curious, when you come into the game late, I mean, you, I'm thinking you had to be a baller. You had to come out with a big serve and you had to come out with big shot. Or were you, are you a grinder? I mean, it's hard to believe you'd be a grinder coming out so late in the game. Or to have a play, man. You know, uh, I would go into court and serve at night when no one could see me when I started. I mean, I had, I had to learn all the fundamentals uh, ground up. And uh, we had a local Woodford County Open just in the city there. And I was taught by the Parks and Rec instructor just how to play and, she would try to get me to stay on the ground because I was trying to be like Monfils. I wanted to jump on every shot. You know, I'm hitting and jumping. I'm having fun, man. I'm just so in love with tennis. And then I'd play three times a day. You know, I just got married. So my wife is like, I'm already, you're already leaving me for tennis. I mean, I was only yeah. four. She's a tennis widow. Yep. She would come get me on the weekends. I'd be playing Les Chapman. He's the first Canadian player to sign with University of Kentucky. Him and I would be out on the tennis court, be six hours into it. And she would come get us saying, you're going to kill each other. You know, we played like seven sets, you know. And I understand. I did that when I was a kid. I did all that I, in the 14s and, and I, 16s. I didn't play junior, so I had all this bound up energy to play tennis in me. And I loved it. And I wanted to, I really wanted to be able to compete in it and get better at it. And so, you know, like I said, I took some thumpings, but as time went on, I pretty much got them all back, most of them, you know. But you didn't so, answer my question. Are you baller? I mean, do you like to oh, play like a like a Kyrgios, oh, oh, or do you like to play like a Michael Chang, where you don't miss? Total, total grinder, total grinder. Total? Did yeah, yeah. My 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 athleticism and jumping ability, and growing up in the projects and playing sports and basketball and football and everything, I love to just get physical and compete. I wanted to make the other person walk off the court knowing they had done something. So I would lose the first set one or zero, oh, and then by the time we got into the second, it was hot. Grinding. I wore tape fills, tobacco fills as a kid on the weekend. So I, I just couldn't wait to put punish my opponent by making them work. And by the time we got to the third set, I pretty much had their legs by then most of the time. Now, yeah. there's a few that you couldn't do that with. But as time yeah. went on, I got to be more offensive. And I really developed an incredible slice backhand. It really helped me. And then, I, you know, I came, started coming over it. But I'd go up to ATP Cincinnati and spend three days and just – dream watching those guys man and come home and try to mimic stuff i had so much fun with it you know v lander nystrom connors um i mean uh just back in the day vj armitage watch that guy sure sure i mean i watched those people and i'd come back and it, i'd spend three months in dreamland trying to hit like those guys you know it was, it was a ton of fun that that's great. No, that's that's funny. I, well, that's amazing. You became well. You know, it, it's funny. Tennis is really addicting, and it doesn't. It sounds like you were fourteen when you were twenty-two. Because when I was fourteen, I was a grinder. I was like, I love hitting the ball, and you know what? Uh, I don't mind. I never minded when the other guy on the other side of the net would say stuff like, "This is the worst I've ever played." I can't believe I'm losing to this guy. I got a trust me. I got a lot of that crap. And I got to admit, after playing a long time, you know, playing all the national, the juniors and all that stuff, and I never did well in any of those tournaments, but I made, you know, I sort of made it to the show 
then got my ass kicked. You know, if I bumped into like, like when I bumped into Luke Jensen in doubles, you know, there's no place to hide against him. A grinder is not going to do shit against Luke. I don't care who you are. You're not going to do anything against Luke Jensen because he is a true baller. Just oh, yeah. like guys like Kyrgios and Sampras, they're ballers. And, you know, once you run up against them, you just got to go. <laughs> well, hey, I watched, I saw Masur beat Sampras 1-0. And he's a, he's kind of a grinder. Smooth. Remember him? Yeah, and also you remember when Isner lost in the finals of uh, – the NCAAs, he lost to a real steady player, you know, a guy who stayed in the backcourt and just would pass Isner right and left. Right. And he beat him in three sets, I think. And I watched that match. It was a long time ago, uh, maybe 15 years ago, uh, right? You know, the year before Isner joined the pro circuit. But, uh, you yeah, know, no, then, then it became my quest, you know. I, state level, you know, playing within, you know, you can play in Kentucky and hell, I moved to Florida for a year and went down there and played. It's a different animal down there, you know, on clay. I mean, I, and that was my favorite surface in Kentucky. I, I didn't lose too many matches on clay. Had to be somebody that really knocked me off. But it's hard to do it on clay. It but is. It is. I board at Innisburg Golf and Tennis when I was working for my uh, prior pharma company, Abbott Labs. And I, and, uh, and, uh, I lived down there at Innisburg Golf and Tennis. They had beautiful clay courts. They, they play a little pro tournament there, a big golf tournament. Anyway, I played down there. I got six months in and, and it got really, really, I mean, amazing because you're playing really good. I mean, just really tough players that, you know, that come in, they want somebody to play with and the club would say, call top. You know, so I played the top 50, year, the top 50 year old player out of Texas came in and those guys wanted to play. And then, you know, but they wanted to win their tournament. So they didn't want to go out there and grind for three hours. They wouldn't go out and hit the ball for an hour and get ready to go play tomorrow, right? So I played a bunch of those guys, and uh, there's just something about that Florida clay, man. Yeah, you're out there, you just play really. I mean, they're I went and played tournaments, and they're just those guys. Don't, they're, they, we call them animals. That's what uh, my buddy Mark Taylor. He's down there, and he helps run the West Coast tennis tournaments. And he always calls me, says, "Animal, are you coming down to play these animals?" I go, "I nice. know they're You'll take your legs, man. And those guys, I mean, uh, it's phenomenal tennis. But it's you know, better players make you better. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you can get a lot greasier on clay. I preferred clay in the juniors because, I mean, I kind of had a bullshit game. I was kind of a glorified pusher, really. I was a pusher with a good drop shot. And, yeah. uh, you know, and um, I never really liked the way I played. I really right. would have rather just been the guy to just pace the well, lines like yeah. some of my guys did. You know, I was, I was, I always admired the guys that I coached because they would just go for, they'd go for broke. They go for big shots. If I had a big point, I would chip the return. I'd make sure it got in. I'd say, okay, I'm not missing. This guy's going to have to kill me. This guy's going to have to kill me to win the point. But, you know, as I got older, I'm like, gee, you know, Agassi, I just, I admired them so much. Yeah. You know, and I think, though, people can develop weapons. That's my own philosophy. I mean, I've seen, you know, uh, a weapon, you know, there's a lot of ways to define a weapon. Jack, I know you've got definitions of what a weapon. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, if you can hurt the, your opponent with whatever shot you've got and you can get in their head mentally, I mean, as you go up the, the chain of command, it gets more and more difficult to do that. But, um, you know, I, I just believe depth and, and, and control, and that's important. If you hit short and you don't have a weapon, you're going to get killed, you know? I mean, you can't hit short. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh yeah, I mean, uh, and, and then you got players today that 
every stroke, you know, from serves to volleys to overheads, backhands are all weapons. And but that's gotten better. I mean, the technology just keeps, I mean, even with the old wooden rackets, guys had weapons, you know, too. I mean, still people have weapons, but it just seems like today's game, there's a lot of pack, there's a lot of the serves are bigger. I know Roscoe Tanner had what? He was at 150. I was just thinking of him when you said it. Roscoe had about 140 miles an hour with a PDP wood racket. So yeah, pretty crazy. I mean, that guy was ahead of his time for sure. We I know you podcasted him and as as did I with my mm-hmm. with my parks uh, growth mindset of the champion podcast. I had him on there as well. So. Yeah, no, he's a lot of fun. He's a great guy too. Uh, he's been through a lot, but he's uh, come out the other other side of the knot hole, and he's a great guy, you know. And uh, and uh, well, speaking of which, I noticed, uh, you know, on on um, on Facebook and all that stuff, uh, it looks like faith plays a big role in your life as well. Yeah, man. I you know, like I say, I lost my dad at age seven. Uh, he he got cancer and had it for four years. And there was three of us boys. And mom raised us by herself. And uh, we didn't have a lot, so we had to move in, into the city in Brussels from eastern Kentucky, and we moved into a housing project. We got some help from the government because he was a Korean War veteran, so they paid mom some money, and mom got four jobs. And so I, I knew, you know, I was going to have to really, you know, be ready to compete in high school, you know, to try to – I thought maybe I'd end up getting a scholarship in a sport – so I put a lot into basketball, and then I, when I got in high school, about my third year in, I, I was just started on the freshman sophomore teams, and I, my sophomore year I got really good in basketball. I mean, I always played hard, and I just kept getting better. I, I played with a lot of the African American kids. We I become just brothers with them. They taught me, and then we had a tennis court right there that had broken glass on it. Nobody played tennis. I didn't re- dream that tennis was going to be something I was going to fall in love with. So I played all that basketball, I played it till I was 50, but I ended up going to work right out of high school. I didn't play my basketball my, my junior and senior year. I ran track and I was all state and track and cross country. Uh, and then I didn't play, but they wanted me to, but I just didn't want to do it. I like the individuality. I like to do my thing. And I could do that in track and cross country. Should have had right. a tennis in my hand, but didn't do it. And so when I got out of there, I went to Texas Instruments. They offered to give me a job pay my school, my, my college, and they wanted me to be the point guard on the basketball team for them. So I did that, and they paid everything. And uh, by, I put 21 years in there. By the time I left, I had a pension, and I had three college degrees, and then I went into the – you know, I, I got into the tennis world and the pharmaceutical world kind of some, simultaneously at a club, and then I was also working pharmaceutical. So I had two incredible opportunities, and I pursued both of them all out. And, uh, it like, definitely sounds like you found your true love in tennis. I did. It, I mean, I found it, uh, like I say, early, like early 20s, uh, 22, 21, 22. And um, yeah, it just gave me such an outlet because you could be, you could express yourself, you could use your emotion. You, I made so many friends. I mean, I met, made hundreds of friends. To this day, I've got thousands of friends. And what it opened up for me was I didn't realize it was going to help me um, you know, it just taught me mentally how to, how to, how to pre-call plan, get ready for my day. How to, like you pre-call an opponent, it helped me to pre-call at work. It helped me to get better and more mentally focused in what I was doing in my career and two careers, actually, it's at the same time. And, uh, so I, I applied everything in tennis in the business world that I was doing. And, and it, I ended up becoming, becoming a coach in the business world. I coach world-class business 
talented salespeople. That's what I do on the business side. And then in tennis, I was doing the same thing on the court, uh, working with, um, you know, age four all the way up to age 84. You know, I had a lady who was 84 years old come to me, won a, won a lesson. At, or we had a big tournament called Pisgah here in central Kentucky. I played in that uh, for about 15, 14 years. Uh, I, had, I won it three times. I made the finals probably seven times and mm-hmm. uh, ended up. But this lady would come to me. She goes, am I too old for a tennis lesson? And she was part of that tournament. Dottie Kelly was her name. I remember going out and I said, no, ma'am, you're never too old for a tennis lesson. So we went out there and had a tennis lesson. It was very touching. Somebody that's 84 still wants to learn and get better, right? And you just apply that every day. And, and it just, that's what tennis gave me. You want to get a little better. You want to have a lot of fun. You want to meet a lot of people. And uh, I've just been blessed a bit to be able to take that passion for tennis, passion for preparation, passion for a growth mindset, and just take it with me to work in two different worlds. And, and it's just been an amazing journey for me. It's helped me kind of connect and, and, and unite people. You know, I started out with Kentucky Tennis is Sport for Life uh, seven years ago on Facebook. You know, we went from uh, three people. I called my, one of my best friends, Dr. Michael Eden, up. And I said, I'm thinking about starting this site. And Doc, Doc said, Ty, I think it's a great idea. And so I started it. He's the one that wrote the book. Uh, he's, he's got the uh, Kentucky Ten- Louisville and the Kentucky Tennis History book. He wrote that. And him and I are both avid tennis collectors. And so sometimes I'll bounce things off of him and other people that are I'm closely connected with through tennis. And um, it just it's just amazing what you can do. The more people you meet, the, you know, as far as helping others. I want to see others enjoy their journeys in tennis, business, and everything the way I have. And it's just been a real treat to get to meet so many people. That's really what opened the door up for me in my business world through tennis. I made a connection with Sean Parker. And he helped get me into the pharmaceutical world as well. So I've just, you know, that wouldn't happen without tennis. So tennis opens up so many doors and I apply tennis to my customers in the business world. I've gotten people playing tennis in the business world. And once they fall in love with it, like I'm connected with them for life, you know, because I turned them on to the greatest game on the planet and that's tennis. So tennis, you know, when I say get kids playing tennis, it's going to open up. If you love something with your heart and soul, it's going to open up doors for everyone. We're all going to connect and help each other and grow together. Now, I know when I was coming up at age 21, my mindset was, I want to kick their ass, right? Yeah. But as you go through the process, I'm sure I made a few, you know, people looked at Ty back, you know, 35 years ago and they go, that guy's a competitive, you know, whatever. But yeah. at the end of the day, you know, my intent was I wanted to get better and I, I wanted to try to improve. But as I went through that, I, you start to realize, you know, everyone's on that journey wanting to get better, right? So at the end of the day, I think it's great to be more mature and to be able to step back and take a breath and, and really help others rise in tennis and help people gain some perspective on life and things like that. And that's just part of, Jack, you're 67, right? Am mm-hmm. I right? I'm 63. So, you know, there's a point where, you know, you, I realize it, it gets more challenging. It's just the way life is, but I want to be the best 63 year old I can be. And I'm sure you want to be the best 67 year old you can be. And I want to play my best tennis left-handed best of my life. I'm so I'm, I, I hear you. I want to play righty left. I want to do whatever I can uh, with whatever time I got right. left. So I hear you. Yeah, absolutely, bro. 
uh, but you know, it's funny. Uh, I'm listening to you talk and I'm thinking, yeah, I, I really do love some of the people I coach. I coach a guy uh, virtually. I do a lot of, and I do a lot of encore coaching too. I just picked up another uh, place to coach here in Colorado. Uh, someone luckily uh, just came up to me and said, Hey, we got a gorgeous club come coach over here. So I'm doing that now. But uh, I was coaching virtually for the last year and I'm working with this guy, 74, never held a racket and we're having a ball He's having a great time. And you're right. It gives you a really good feeling to enhance someone's life. And then on the other aspect, you know, I mean, you get annoyed sometimes with the wrong kind of parents. I mean, I love coaching the juniors. You know, that was my thing pretty much for my whole life. It was working with the young kids, you know, starting with them, you know, all those guys, you know, who I coached, you know, I start with them at eight, nine, five, five years old. And uh, it's a grinder because, you know, some are spoiled and some don't listen, but, you know, it's really a, a pleasure when you're at Kalamazoo and the boys 16s and you have been with them for eight years. It's been a lot of fun, but, yeah. you know, I, I think the parents, they have to see it the way you're talking about it. Meaning you don't give your, you don't put your kid in tennis to get a scholarship. You don't put them in tennis to go pro. You put them in tennis to learn yep. dis discipline, you put them in tennis to learn, hey, tough love. Sometimes you lose. You learn from your losses. Respect your opponent. Respect the game. So I think the wise parents want their kids to play tennis uh, for the right reasons. And, and, the, and the stupid parents, uh, right. it really, it, it's all ego. And I don't really... Um, you know, I don't particularly condone that myself. I'll coach him. And I have coached some of them that, you know, right off the gate, you know, so-and-so I want her to be a pro. I want him to be a pro. And actually a couple of them have been, so I'm not going to mention names, but I don't think it's a good way to go into it. I think the way you're talking about it, the wholesome, genuine, organic way is the yep. reason you want these kids to play is to get life skills. Yeah. I hate to see juniors start out and put too much pressure on themselves. They get hurt or, the parents take them to 15 tournaments and they're not ready. And they get up, they, I call it uh, Tony Robbins, Anthony Robbins, Pleasure and Pain. If you've read any of his books, he's a motivator. I have. And the thing is, if you start associating pain to tennis and not pleasure, and you're not really enjoying, you know, your, you, it's time to advance. You're not going to walk out and be, nowadays everyone wants instant gratification. They don't want to put the work in. And you've got to go out and, and earn your right on the court. You know, you, you, you're no one is going to give you anything in tennis. <laughs> you have to go out and earn it. So that challenge has motivated me. I, my, I, we couldn't, mom couldn't afford any tennis stuff for me growing up in the projects. My, I, had, I had two pair of jeans, a couple of shirts, and a, two, two pair of sneakers, maybe one pair. The school gave me a sneaker. And I was playing, you know, tennis shoes, basketball every day. I didn't have all those luxuries of tennis. So when I got went to work in a factory and went to night school and played point guard, all of a sudden I found a tennis court and the preppy boys had white shorts on and these shirts and they look great. Mama's paying everything. I'm walking out there like, okay, bring it. So I remember going to the, my wife got me the membership to Lexington tennis club when I was 20. I got married when I was 21 at 22. My wife got me that as a gift. I went over there and pulled up to the Lexington tennis club. And I'm like, oh, my God, look at these cars, man. Look at this pool. Look at these clay courts. This is unbelievable. I'm going to go in here and figure this out, you know. And so go in. I went into that club. And I'm still a member. It's been 42 years now. Never forget it. And I got in a tournament, I think, year two. 
And I remember year three, I got in a tournament. A guy pulled up in a Porsche. He had eight rackets, four bags. Ty, you're sounds like Vinny. Sounds like Vinny Van Patten. Tournament. <laughs> this guy's going to eat your cake. Everybody's all competitive. I'm like, well, bring his butt out on the court and let's see what he can do. So we got out there. I had my two. I had a Kmart racket and another racket. And and what I found out was his strokes. He knocked the crap out. He looked great, but when it come to hitting ten balls in a row, when he couldn't do it, right? I don't care how many what his Porsche looks like or how many rackets the guy's got. He couldn't hit. He couldn't hit more than five or six balls in play. So I kept it deep. I hit angles. Use yep. athleticism and tuck him out. That I walk am. off the court. Everybody goes, "You beat so and so." I'm like, "Well, I'm just trying to. I'm trying to figure this game out, you know." And so it just gives you momentum, energy. If I lost to the guy, I would have just went back, reset, started working on what can I do to get better, right? And uh, Jack, I'll tell you, man, what's so exciting about tennis is not only that, I don't care if you're playing to qualify for the ATP in Cincinnati or you're trying to get in the U.S. Open. I talked to Johan Creek about this on my podcast. You know, Johan, when he came in, he had to prove himself. He went to oh, the yeah. Played the U.S. Open. Hell, nobody was carrying his bags in when he got there. And what he when he goes out there and gets to the semifinals, everybody wants a piece of the arm, right? So, you know, you got to earn that. And- well, you, you know, he didn't come out of nowhere. I, I was playing the watch tour back in 75, okay, 1975. And Johan was – there was a, it was like eight tournaments in Florida. And I right. played the whole thing. I dropped out you of college. Tell me about that. Yeah, Florida. and Johan was kicking everyone's ass, so he didn't come out of nowhere. I knew, I knew who he was. At that, at that tournament, though, you know, he he earned that. You know, he was talking to me about, you know, all the guys he met. He was on the steps. You know, he he just, you know, of course, he had a hell of a. We know it. The guy went what he won two Australians. I mean, yeah. he, you know, and he played in so he beat so many good players in other matches and other events. He made semis and quarters and. I mean, he was all the Grand Slams competing at the top level. He got to, I think, you may correct me here, but I think he got all the way to, like, number five in singles and, you know, 18. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, Roscoe got to four. He got to five, I think. Yeah. Right, right. You got a good memory, too. I knew you would. So I don't know uh, but, why. I don't know why. <laughs> but all I'm saying is, regardless if it's at the club level or, you know, if it's at the parks and rec level, the club level is another level. Then you start going into the state events, then the southern events, then the national events, right? You see how your game transcends, right? Then you start playing on, uh, you know, the challengers, and then you start stepping it up, and maybe you get enough points to get a, into a quality to get into a, you know, a, a 250 tournament. Then you right. try to get 500, then it's 1,000, then all of a sudden you're in a, a slam. So, you know, and when I look at Johan, man, he, he traveled. I mean, my God, his family let him go with a pro. I think to Germany and, and, and spend time, you know, to, to get better when he was like 14, 15 years old. And that commitment, that sacrifice, you know, that he yep. did is one example paid off for him. And yep. now he's in Florida living the dream with his beautiful wife and kids. Yep. It's just fun doing the podcast because I love that story, you know, and that story starts, you know, I believe he was doing rugby and he was a little irritated because he wanted to play and he played, but he made a decision when he was like 11 or 10 to go to tennis instead. Right. So that was a life changing move he had to make. We got kids out there right now have to make those decisions. They want to play all kinds of sports and it's great to play them all. And I recommend playing them all till you figure out one you really want to get totally engaged in. 
And maybe it's good to still do multiple sports. I don't know what your mindset is on that, Jack, but it's, it's uh, certainly at a young age. I like, uh, I think basketball and tennis are good. I think they match up well. I think soccer and tennis match up well. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's certain sports that match up very well. I mean, basketball, you got touch, right? So and in tennis, you have touch and, um, <laughs> You know, uh, I think uh, soccer, you work with your lower body. And I think personally, you know, you know me, I think tennis is a lower body sport, not, or, you know, it's an all encompassing, but it really starts in the core. And I think the lower body is more important. I mean, for, for the longest time, the Americans were, you know, baseball, we threw balls and big serves, big forehands. And still today, I think there's a lot of holes in the Americans games with us, the Europeans, they don't have those holes because, they're ambidextrous, right? They kick with their left and their right foot equally, and they run down the field. And I and I think that ambidexterity makes for an all-court game, personally. So, no, that's very true, very true. Jack, you followed a little bit. We went back and forth, uh, you know, talking about our passion for tennis. I know you did my podcast again on uh, Ty Sparks Growth Mindset of a Champion on Anchor. I know you were on. That was that. fun. Yep. Yeah. You were a great guest, and you really challenged me. And I, when I was interviewing you, <laughs> I thought that was really, really, really interesting. I thought it was great, though, because you made me a better host, you know. I know we had talked a little <laughs> bit tennis of the University of Kentucky, which I'm real passionate about. Uh, you know, I, I love uh, our college program here, and um, I've seen it grow under Dennis Emery and then, uh, you know, Cedric Kaufman. Uh, from France, he's taken it over the last decade and really got it going in a really strong direction right now. And I know you'd ask me if there was one topic or some area that you, that we could talk about a little bit. And that's something that we're all really excited. Our basketball right now in Kentucky is not where we want it to be because we. Boy, live- you guys used to be the best back in the '80s and whatnot. <laughs> you were the best. You guys won it almost every year. It seemed like. And we we you know and Coach Cal. We had Coach uh, Hall. I, I go back to Coach Rupp even when I was a kid. I had a transistor radio in bed, and I listened to Coach Rupp. And then uh, Coach Rupp uh, retired, and Coach Hall came in. I know Coach Hall personally. Great guy. He got us to the 78 championship. Kyle Macy was a starting point guard on that team, and he's my doubles partner. So we won the nice. state. We won the state 55s together, him and I, uh, at the boat club. It's a prestigious event at a real cool club up in Louisville. We won that about three years ago together. Um, you know, I've got the knees and all the things I'm rehabbing. Kyle had a hip replacement. We, we went out and won it. We won it. So we felt pretty good about it. He's a hell of an athlete being the point guard at 78 team. And then, uh, but just the fact that, you know, we've got so much going on in Kentucky right now about basketball. And I brought Kyle up for that reason because he's a great tennis player. And he's, we know he's a hell of a basketball player. He played for the Bulls with Jordan, right as Jordan came in. He went to the Suns and played. I mean, we've had some unbelievable athletes come out of Kentucky for basketball. Kyle sticks out to me as my favorite because he was a he played tennis in high school. I think he won a state tennis title in high school, and he was a star point guard. He went to Purdue, played his freshman year, and then transferred to UK and led us to an NCAA championship. And uh, then we've had just Coach Hall won it in '78. Coach, uh, we've had Eddie Sutton come in there, uh, and then we had Patino, and then. Uh, uh, Billy, I'm gonna forget his name because he didn't last very long. And then, and then we had, and then we had uh, uh, our current coach, Cal, right? And Cal came in and just set it on fire, man. Everybody loved Cal. We still love Cal, but right now there's some challenges going on. They're looking at this one and done. Is it is it really still working? Cal ran with that, did a hell of a job. 
he got us to a championship in 2012 with Anthony Davis and, and that team. Oh, yeah. Great player. He got us to the Final Four three times. Unbelievable. He got us to lead eight multiple times. Um, but we're going on four years now. We haven't been in. And if we don't get in this year, it's going to be five. So the pressure in Kentucky right now on basketball is enormous if you're a basketball fan. Like, we live it. I mean, it's like Alabama football, maybe even at a higher scale, if, that, if it can be at a higher scale, right? And we're the winningest program up, up until under Coach Cal's tenure. Kansas passed us, okay? And we don't like that. Yep, yep. So we go, you know, have eight championships, and we're focused on nine right now. UCLA as well. And uh, Kansas is trying to catch us in North Carolina, right? And Indiana was starting to get their chest out a little bit. That was my um, – that's where I went to college, Chapel Hill. Oh, okay. There's so I know, AC, I know ACC basketball. And we had a basketball tennis player yep. over at Maryland, uh, Lucas. I remember he was, Lucas. He was a great basketball player and a great yep. tennis player. Lefty, yeah. But our basketball program right now is kind of drifting. Uh, we got a big game tomorrow night. We lost one. You know, we don't lose to Georgia. And damn it, if they didn't get us this last time. So that's unacceptable. And uh, but anyway, basketball, that, that's where that is. Tennis, it's on fire at University of Kentucky right now. Cedric Kaufman has got him at number two in the nation. They upset, beat Virginia. I won't call it an upset because they played Virginia last year. UVA is tough. UVA is always tough. They played UVA in the finals of the NCAA last year. Kentucky beat Ohio State and went on and got to the finals, which is awesome. And uh, they lost to Virginia in the final, but they beat some really good teams to get there. So this year, you know, they had a good recruiting class. He brought in a couple of new players, and we kept uh, Liam Drexel, who was number one last year. He's a stud from Canada. He was on the Canadian Davis Cup team as a one of those assist players. He was on there. I mean, hitting with those guys and playing with them. And so anyway, this year, Cedric has got out of the gate strong. He's 10-0 or 11-0 right now. They just won, beat Duke on Sunday. And they beat Virginia at Virginia. Uh, they beat Virginia Tech. I got it right here. They beat Virginia Tech. Uh, they beat uh, uh, Duke. They beat Louisville. Louisville's ranked 23rd, which was that's an in-house, that's an in-state rivalry. Throw it out. I went to that one. Uh, you know, it's it's a dog fight when you go play that team on in their place, and they've got a senior-oriented team that's got a lot of incredible top-ranked players. Kentucky has five players ranked in the top 66 in the nation right now. And um, they've got uh, Lapidat, number 16, Drexel, number 45, Cosnet, 57, Aina, 66, and Badi, 115. Uh, they also beat Notre Dame and Illinois, Virginia, Virginia Tech, Louisville, and Duke. So they're, they're out fast, number two. Uh, Ohio State is just right over the river up here. Uh, that that's going to be that's going to be a good one when and if we get to play them. But this coming match they got coming up is Florida, number sixteen, Florida. We know how good Florida is, right? Yep, and, Gainesville is always tough. And that's going to be in the ITA Chicago that starts Friday, and then they're going to have three other matches. Uh, they're playing the seventeenth, eighteenth, nineteenth, and twentieth in Chicago at the ITA National Indoors. Then when they get home, they got South Carolina waiting on them. They're a top ten team at home so that schedule right there jack it it's real isn't it it's a good thing you don't follow uh, you're not a real one of those crazy alumni people that follows every moment and every step of the way from your old college is it 
No, I'm not. I went to a midway, uh, my company paid for my education. I took some, a couple classes at UK, but I ended up getting a, a, a couple degrees at Kentucky State University and then one at Midway, top Midway University. It's a private school uh, within five miles of my home. And I did it at night school. And I, I follow that tennis program and Adam Alex, the coach over there, and him and I are really good friends. He was an All-American a player for University of Kentucky back in the 80s. And uh, he, he won the SEC indoors. He beat Al Parker twice. Wow. He's a player, man. He played on the Malaysian Davis Cup team. Him yeah. and I are really good friends. He has a podcast, and I actually did a podcast with him as well. He's a great friend and a really, really uh, – he's an incredible coach. He's only in his second season, but he's building a program. And uh, he got, he's got some good recruits. He goes to the Orange Bowl, and he's done a really, really good job. Uh, but I'm real happy uh, for Coach Kaufman. He's doing a great job. And, um, you know, I will tell you one thing about Coach Kaufman real quick. He, uh, he played in the French Open after his U.K. career, five sets with Pete Sampras. He had three match points, not one, as I told you earlier. He had three. And uh, Pete held those off. But uh, he, Cedric lost 8-6 in the fifth set at the French Open. Uh, to Pete Sampras, which, you know, a loss is still a loss, but the fact he was at that Oh, no, level, no, that's huge. I mean, that's huge. But, I played Sampras when he was 15, and he kicked, kicked my ass. So, I mean, he's a great player. <laughs> well, one thing about Cedric is he's from France, man. He's got – he recruits uh, like no other. I, oh, I mean, yeah, he's a well-known – he's a well-known baller. I mean, I know that guy. I've known his name for a long, long time. And I looked up the recruiting for next – for this coming year, coming up, not this one. Well, for 23, they're recruiting these guys right now. And uh, he's number three in the nation in recruiting. It's okay for me to mention this because they've already signed with the university. Uh -huh. uh, he's got Matt Rankin. Uh, these are international players from Scotland. Uh, he's, uh, he's the LTA ranking number one under 18 in Great Britain. So he's a stud. Uh, he's already got uh, ATP rankings. He's uh, currently ranked... Uh, uh, 13, 28, ATP double, 17, 17 in singles. Really hadn't went for that. He's played a lot of the U18s, you know, but he's one of the, he's the number one ranked player in Great Britain. He represented, represented the uh, Great Britain European Youth Olympics and Winter Cup, five-time Scotland four national champion. <laughs> he, you know, he's a top-ranked kid coming in, two-time winner of the Tennis Scotland's Junior Player of the Year award. So he's a stud. They got Jack uh, Lutet coming in. He's from New Zealand, Auckland, New Zealand. Um, he's got an ITF junior ranking of 43 right now overall. He's a grade one winner in Thailand, four ITF singles titles. Uh, reached around to 32 at the U.S. Open Juniors. Number one ranked player in New Zealand. He was a quarterfinalist at Wimbledon Juniors. Wow, that's that's great. I mean, you got a great team coming up next. You got some ringer. You got some ringers coming in there. Yeah, and then we got a kid from Kentucky coming in. It's just a raw athlete, number one ranked player in Kentucky, but he's a two-time uh, state champion, semifinals, uh, Easter Bowl doubles champion, finals rather. He's got a 492 ITF junior ranking, blue chip, uh, number 18 in America. He's coming in. I've seen this kid play. He's really athletic and uh, very impressive. So I just yeah. told that audience that, you know, UK's doing great right now, but the cupboard is not going to be bare. We got more talent coming in. No, it's, and it's nice to hear you got a couple of Americans coming in because uh, so often we just recruit from uh, 
out of country these days, the last 20 years, really. And uh, I mean, you know, I was worked a little bit with Pete Smith over at Pepperdine and USC. And, you know, most of the guys were from France and other places, you know, not from here. So I always like to hear, of course, his best player was Stevie Johnson, I think. Uh, you Stevie, know, did great. Stevie uh, a couple of years ago, he defeated an NCAA final, Eric Quigley. Our Kentucky player, our, our best player, one of our best players in, in the program history. He's got he was a five-time college all-American at UK, uh, Eric was, and he played Stevie in the finals of the NCAA tournament. And uh, Stevie got him. But the fact that Eric made it to the finals out of Kentucky, you know, is just uh incredible. Actually, we've had a lot of players from Kentucky do well in the NCAAs. Uh Jack, I know we're on this site live, and I wanted to just sharing some of those people real quick. Jesse Witten was an NCAA finalist from Kentucky in 2000. He's from Florida. Uh, just a great player. Uh, Carlos Drada, you know, South American guy. He, he was a 2002 finalist in the NCAA tournament. Eric Quigley played Stevie Johnson. He was a finalist in the NCAA tournament. We had Gary Plock, who yep. played a- I heard of him. He's great. Yep. He'd be back and roll back in college at, Te- at Texas. He played with, with – uh, I know Denton, and um, he played with a couple of really good players there. But Gary made the NCAA finals and doubles, and he probably would have had a long pro career without an injury. Got him, took him out, and hurt his shoulder real bad. And then we had Austin Childs from U of L here in Kentucky make the finals in 2010. Then we had you may remember this name, Mel Purcell. Oh, of course. He made seventeen. He made seventeen in the world. Unbelievable junior, unbelievable junior, and then he went on to play some good pro. I mean, yeah, Mel Purcell is an icon, really, for for most of us. And then Charles Beckman, uh, he was out of Louisville, you know, grew up as a junior, but he went on to Texas. He was an NCAA doubles finalist in '85. And you know, I just throw some women in there. We had Sarah Witten and Amy Tretherton, 2003 doubles finals, you know, and then uh, we had Julie Diddy. We lost Julie to cancer here last year, and we're all heartbroken because she was a young young lady that had an incredible tennis career. She was helping so many junior players in Kentucky out of Ashland. And Julie ended up uh, in singles 89 in the world, but she helped lead the Federation Cup team to the semifinals and, and hit the winning match point for the U.S. back in 2008. Uh, she's somebody that gave a lot to the game, and uh, we lost her to cancer about a year ago. So we're all still grieving and trying to get through that. Uh, but Jack Diddy, her dad, played at University of Kentucky, and he was uh, on, a, on, on an incredible team with a lot of Larry Roberts, a good friend of mine, Les Chapman, the first Canadian player. So we go way back. But, you know, we all stick together. I do want to throw out Susan Sloan, 19 in the world. She won the Virginia Slams in Nashville. I hit with her when she was a junior. She was a Fritz now protege. Fritz went on to coach Andre, help coach Andre Agassi. Uh, and he was at Boletari's for a number of years and worked with a lot of top juniors, as did Greg Hill and Scott Hill from Kentucky. They were theirs, and uh, they both were really fan- incredible college players. Greg, Greg was an All-American. Uh, you know, that's, that's amazing because, you know, me being from the West Coast, I'm always hearing UCLA, USC, Stanford. Right. It's right. amazing. Uh, you know, uh, up until today, I, I really uh, – you know, the, the most thing I knew about Kentucky was the good bourbon you guys make. and. and uh, Man, we got some good bourbon. I'm, I'm talking to you right now, one mile from the Woodford Reserve in my country house. I re, we redid this little house out here on an acre. It's gorgeous. And then 
I can almost reach out and throw a rock and hit the Woodford Distillery, but it's it's and I do no, have no Woodford. Woodford's a good one. <laughs> I do have I do have some Buffalo Trace in here. We're only like oh, I got you, Buffalo Trace right here. Joe Rogan talks about Buffalo Trace on his podcast. Okay, it's, is that uh, right? Yeah, no, I I that's I'm very fond of Buffalo Trace and Woodford. So yeah, no, but. No, I, I, that's, that is fascinating. I had no idea, really, that. Yeah. And by the way, um, mention your your uh, website, your your uh, Facebook group again. And and how many are in it now? You you said that you started with three. It's a Kentucky tennis, the sport for life. It's wide open for anyone out there to join it. Uh, it's uh, growing at almost four thousand, and we've got you know Brad Gilbert on there. We got. Jack Brody, the guy I'm talking to right now, we got. You guys are awfully kind to me. You, you, you no, almost I'm never. I, I don't think you ever cut down my posts. It seems like you always put them up there. And I'm like, oh, is he going to deny this one? Me access on this one? Nope, every time. Well, you know, we got Yohan Creek, we got uh, Roscoe Tanner. Yeah, I met a lot of people, Jack. Just good people that love tennis. You're all good people. Yeah, yeah. and then I, you know, again, uh, Alan Fox, Dick Go. I mean, I've done podcasts with them. Yeah, uh, me too. They're the nicest. They're the nicest guys, you know. The nicest guys, and and they all have a heart of gold. And uh, you should talk to Greg Patton. He's also one of those guys. One of my favorite people as well. Uh, but yeah, no, that's 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 amazing. And and like yeah. I said, it's amazing. I had no idea Kentucky had all that uh, tennis glory. Well, Dennis Emery, uh, he put thirty years in at University of Kentucky and retired in two thousand twelve. I think two thousand twelve. I want to say. And uh, he's in the UK Hall of Fame, but he brought the Lexham Challenger here 23 years ago, around that time. And then Dennis uh, is instrumental in developing a lot of that UK back piece. University of Louisville has some incredible teams as well. And then a lot of our just our OVC colleges are really good here. Western Kentucky University, uh, you know, uh, Murray State University, that's where Mel Purcell came from. And uh, his dad was a coach there for a long time, Benny Purcell. And then I played his brother Dale in a tournament one time. Didn't realize it after the match. He told me he was Mel's brother, you know. And uh, but there's just great people, great tennis around here, and uh, it's great for me to be able to represent Kentucky tonight. Um, I really appreciate that too, and, and I'm sure uh, your friends from Kentucky that are watching right now they're appreciating as well. And I did want to mention the Ty Sparks Growth Mindset of the Champion podcast series that we got. Please do, please do. Yeah, we've got over one point, well, over uh, right around fourteen hundred people that listen to it. it I, I haven't. I mean, I've only done like maybe thirty podcasts in the last eighteen months. I want to do a little more, but um, I'm blessed to be able to share, you know, growth mindset of a champion. I focused on tennis coaches, top coaches, and players, and uh, some of the people on that podcast series. Just so people know. Uh, I've got Dr. Alan Fox, Dick Gould, Scott Hill, Ken DeHart. Ken, you may have heard of Ken. He's on the West Coast now. Uh, John Saunders, he was a, a, a big name here for one of our big clubs. He's on the ATP Tour with women right now. Adam Malik, All-American Malaysian player who's coach here. He's, he, you know, he's got two wins at Wild Parker. Dennis Emery, legendary UK coach. Dr. Michael Lee, he's, he started Tennis Collectors of America. He's one of my best friends. And now it's, it's global. It's got it all over the U.S. They, they meet all over the, the country. And he always has some of the top people come in and visit and talk tennis history. Uh, Jody Bingham, uh, Philip Kim. And, you know, you remember Ann White, Annie White from. Uh, I know Ann. I know Ann. Yeah. She's 85. She's the one that wore the, what was it, 85? Uh, Ann did a little, Ann back in 2000, she did a little modeling for me on the eight board. 
Oh, so cool. I know it. Yeah. Well, she shared, shared that story with me about she broke the, uh, the white tights out at, at uh, Wimbledon in 85. And Actually, I might be confusing her with Ann Mall. Anyway, I yeah, can't remember. Yeah, this, <laughs> yeah, she broke out the white one-piece uh, suit at Wimbledon in 85. She ended up uh, top. She was top uh, 15 in the world. Great player. And then, uh, but uh, I've got several on here. John Eagleton. You know John. Uh, uh, Susan Nardi. Good friend. Good friend Joel, of mine. Yeah, Roscoe and then my my and then Jack you. So it's building, man, and growing. And I appreciate uh, you letting me on tonight just to share uh, our passion, my passion for tennis and Kentucky's passion for tennis. No, you're inspiring. You've even inspired me a little bit. I'm like, man, I gotta get rolling here. I'm gonna fall way behind Ty. <laughs> I, nobody can keep up with you, buddy, on this technology. You're amazing and uh, you always have good stuff. I always enjoy I didn't uh, you know uh I'd always request people to get on on your sites as well. Jack, well, I've got my Kentucky audience. Here. Why don't you share that with them real quick? Just so I know, you know, that well, would be sure. It's not about me tonight, but I'm happy nope. to. Uh, uh, BrodyTennis.com. And you see behind me, that's B-R-O-U-D-Y. And like I told my friends in college, it sounds like it, it, it looks like rowdy with a B. I was a rowdy college kid. So it's rowdy with a B BrodyTennis.com. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. And, and like I said, we got to get you on the real spin because we get down and dirty on the real spin. It's fun and funny and we have a good time. And, well, uh, well, I just appreciate the opportunity tonight to, uh, you know, talk tennis with you and, uh, you know, it's Valentine's night. You you got your 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 beauty waiting on you, and I got one. At yeah, home. I got to throw something. I got to throw something in the oven here. I got the chickens working, but I got to throw the rest of it in there. I'm going to surprise my wife tonight with a really nice dinner, and I'm so proud of you for keeping the same wife after being a tennis nut your first three four years out the gate, and the rest of the time too. I I can't believe uh, you know you haven't gone through three or four of them, but I'm well, impressed. She must be a saint. She is more than a saint, Janet Sparks. Janet Pisek, poet. She came from Polish girl. She's been a. She's kept me focused, centered, and on the right track, brother. So nice, been, nice. Real, very good. Real. Well, you know, I enjoy all of our conversations. We, you, and I talk on the phone here and there, just for the hell of it. And uh, they all go about an hour, <laughs> so it's not like this is anything different, except for turning on the recording. But I hope to get down there someday, and you and I enjoy enjoy some time on the court, maybe a shot of bourbon, and uh, you know, be my pleasure. Well, hey, brother, don't be a stranger. Let's stay connected. And I really appreciate the audience, anyone who's listening to this now or later. Uh, you know, again, uh, Brody Tennis, you need to go check it out. All right. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate you, Jack. Ty, we'll be in touch probably today or tomorrow, I'm sure. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care. Thanks, right, my friend.